This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Welcome to the D&D World! Meet you by the art room door In a circle on the hallway floor I made up a new map last night It's got a dragon and a wizard fight Probably just for Carl. Carl, guess what I got in the mail today? I have no idea what you got in the mail today. Got the print-on-demand copies of Gaz 1 and Gaz 7. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why I bought those ones. Well, I bought Gaz 1 specifically. I bought them all for my home game, but, like, super excited. I haven't gotten a chance to read them yet, though, because I've been cooking for the last two hours. Yeah, Gaz 7's coming up. We're going to talk about it very soon. That's why I got that one. And also, like, I my current game is set in Karamikos, so I sort of, like, killed two birds with one stone. This episode is not an episode about the Gazetteers. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how you're going to back your way out of that one. <laughs> uh, anyways, welcome to the Saber Die Podcast, the podcast about classic Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Crispy. I'm Carl. And I'm one of your hosts, Courtney. And it's been kind of a trend lately, but we have a, another special guest on this episode. Hi, I'm Jenny Holm. Ooh, yay! <laughs> Very excited. Yes, we like special guests. Yeah. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> uh, Carl or Courtney or Jenny, yourself, uh, do you guys want to talk about why we're having uh, Jenny on the show today? Well, sure, I'll talk a little bit about this. Um, so, uh, Jenny Holm is uh, uh, an author. I don't know if I'm supposed to say an award-winning author. I know you have won awards. I don't know if that's a cool thing to say or not, or if you're just like, uh, just call me an author. I don't Didn't know. You put a name <laughs> yeah, <it's> cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I know it's cool, but I don't, I don't know if you want to be like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't know I what know, the, what would. level of grandosity. <laughs> Jenny, did you win a Newberry? I did. I did. Yeah, that's like a big yeah. deal. <laughs> put that on the license plate. Are you kidding me? My parents were very happy. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. you're, you're like real good children's book company. <laughs> <laughs> and she uh, writes lots of books, but the one that I know her for, for uh, is called Sunny Rolls the Dice. And this is a book uh, in a series about a young girl named Sunny living in the 70s. And in Sunny Rolls the Dice, she discovers Dungeons and Dragons. And it was uh, uh, fantastic to read. Yep. I'm just kind of taking a walk down memory lane. I didn't get to read the book, but Carl read it to me last night before bed. (laughs) (laughs) I video video chatted him, and I I aimed my uh, cell phone camera at the book, and I read him Sunny Rolls the Dice uh, via video chat. Crispy, were you all tucked into bed? (laughs) I was. He Venmoed me exactly the, the <laughs> amount of money I would need for a steamed milk from Starbucks. <laughs> so sweet. Aww. <laughs> yeah, cool. it was a great story. Like, I loved Thank it. You. I related with it. At our house, it, we um, 
checked it out from the library and it has been read many a times um including the kids picking out characters and 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 reading their parts um in the book so our our kids are 10 and 7 and they love sunny rolls the dice you are raising those kids right thank you <laughs> thank you yeah, our son Connor reads for Brian usually, <laughs> and our daughter Emily usually reads for Sunny, and we'll and I'll, I'll read everything else. Um, yeah, so Carl, like I know very when you first introduced the the book to me when you were first telling me about it, which was like a couple months ago, I think, right? Um, yeah, you had there were some very key things that you thought were like. You know, as as pedantic Dungeons and Dragons nerds who make a pedantic Dungeons and Dragons nerd show on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of key things that really stuck out to you uh, about some of the details in Sunny Rolls the Dice. Do you want to talk about those real quick? Um, yeah, the thing about this uh, book is one. It's just a nice story about a girl that discovers something she loves and decides to to follow. Uh, uh, her passions over the um, fear of those passions defining who she is. But for people like me and Crispy, who uh, devour D&D history and just kind of love uh, seeing D&D history represented, it's a beautiful snapshot of getting into D&D early on because it's so often we see D&D represented almost like this uh, disingenuous uh, might be the word I'm looking for to of, of just like th- these people don't actually know anything about what they're talking about. This doesn't feel like D and D. This book feels like D and D. Like this, yeah. this is like definitely D and D. Like there's definitely no mistaking. Like this, this is based on real experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I. I was born in 68, so when D&D came, and I'm one of five kids, and I am the only girl. I have four brothers, and I was the middle child, so I, you know, I grew up, yeah, I survived. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but my parents pretty much, you know, let me do whatever I want. Um, You know, today, back then, I was kind of a tomboy. I, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, and we we played a lot outside in the woods behind our house. And the big thing that was kind of happening in the 70s was that, you know, people had quite big families then, at least where I was growing up. I mean, five kids wasn't um, as untypical as it might be seen today. And so parents were getting the good idea, at least in the on the East Coast, to uh, to do what's called finishing their basement. And like our block, I lived on a, in a suburban block, like the cul-de-sac and kind of over a year or two, just about every parent with more than three or four kids finished their basement. And um, it became this, you know, playroom for kids to hang out downstairs. And, you know, the little kids would play with their Legos and blocks and train sets, um, but eventually became this cozy place where we would play D&D. And I think what was also a little bit unusual about my upbringing, I mean, so I had all these brothers, but also on my block that I grew up on, it was almost majority boys. There was one other girl on the street. And so most of the games were sort of, I don't know, introduced by the boys. And so we had, we were there, I had two older brothers. So we were right there at the very beginning of the D&D um, experience. We had, you know, we still have it, the box set. The monster manual. Actually, they're at my brother Matt's house at the moment. <laughs> they kind of rotate around the family. 
Hmm. Um, and it was really kind of a, it was a bit of a winter sport for us, I would say, because there's, we have a, we have four or five pictures of, I guess my mom must have snuck down in the basement and took pictures of us playing D and D in this wood paneled basement. They're really funny with the neighborhood boys. And, um, it was, we're all always wearing sweaters. So in the summer we'd be outside from, you know, nine until dinner time, completely unlike how my own children are growing up. And uh, in the winters, we would just live in the basements the same way we would, uh, you know, our parents would not check to make sure that we're hungry. We would have enough sense to come up and, and, and beg for food. <laughs> it's just such a different parenting style. And my daughter, the 13-year-old, says, it sounds like it was so much fun. Um, mm. But it I wasn't- had a very similar upbringing, like even just 20, like, so I'm, I'm very young. Uh, Babby. <laughs> But like, no, I, my grandparents had a finished basement. That's where like the the kids' room was, and so me and all of my cousins, the four of us, like, did you have the the dropped ceiling, where they're like, we- there was a the floor for the upstairs room, there was like a gap between the roof of the finished basement. Yes, we did, and we had like those faux. They kind of look like almost like styrofoam ceiling, and then yeah, like- I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> <Yes>. about. <laughs> And then there was lights embedded in them. Yeah, yeah. like fluorescent lights, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I I know exactly what your basement looked like because I also had that basement. <laughs> Y'all cousins. Y'all are cousins, aren't you? Maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, we, I don't know, I, I related so much to Sunny because just the, the part where she's trying to explain Dungeons and Dragons to... Uh, her grandfather in the mm-hmm. book really resonated yeah. with me. Well, I remember when I first learned how to play D anD D, and then went home and told all of my friends about D anD D, and like trying to half remember the rules that were told to me, and then having to like make an amalgam of it. It was just very relatable. Yeah, I think so. I think at the beginning, that's what I remember most was that it was almost like a make your own adventure in a way because there wasn't. I mean, we did get the the handbook eventually, and you know, some some child got it. It wasn't me, but um, it was so it was pretty loose at the beginning. You could only be, you know, a couple of classes. I think it's much more complicated now, and I think it was also kind of um, it was a transfer of like what kids were doing in real life into the basement in a weird way. So we would play in the woods as young kids and kind of play adventure games. I mean, we spent our summers building tree houses. Our parents had no idea what we were doing, you know, and um, we had all these imaginary adventures. And then what D&D like did so well was take those kind of storytelling abilities that kids have and they gave us some rules to live in a world. Yeah, it's like a like a focusing lens because I did the same kind of thing where like, cause I, so I'm from the other side of Pennsylvania, but like playing in the woods and like riding bikes and just like, there was no such thing as other people's property. Like every yard in the neighborhood was fair game. Exactly. Exactly. We would was... go in the woods and like build, we called them forts or hideouts, but we like, called them forts. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, had... I, I get what you're putting down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just kind of, it was, it was such an, it was very exciting. I mean, cause it was definitely also an era of a lot of game playing. Like it was 
kind of the Parker Brothers era of all those games. Like my older brothers played Risk. Um, we all played Monopoly. I mean, it was we had a closet full of board games. But this was, you know, a, a game that you used your imagination, and it was just kind of a revelation, really. Well, um, we have some questions for you uh, 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 prepared, uh, but before we get to that, I want to mention uh, a couple of things about the art that I just um, really think that really details the D&D experience in a very neat way that I, I've not seen ever done before, uh, in that you can kind of see the level of immersion that the players are in at the table uh, because at first you'll see them and they'll be sitting around the table in like their clothes in the 1970s and they're just sitting at the table and then you'll eventually start seeing them just uh, slowly morph into their character still at the table and then on the next page suddenly they're in the dungeon with all of the art showing the D&D world and that was such a cool device to show the level of like the real world kind of fading in the background as you start getting really into your game and I just really loved that. Oh, thank you. That's my brother, Matt. So out of all those brothers, my youngest brother um, turned out to be an incredible artist. And so, you know, you do what you do in families is you make, uh, you make someone work for free at the beginning, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but now, these many years later, it's a, it's a family business. But yeah, so he was kind of on the younger end because he's six years younger than me. So he didn't he didn't experience this, what I experienced, but he did play it with the, his, his buddies when he kind of came up. Well, that's a perfect lead into our first question. Um, Courtney, why don't you ask that? Okay. Um, how close is Sonny's introduction to D&D to your own, and can you tell us about your introduction to D&D? I think it's pretty close. I'm trying to remember. So I don't know who brought the D&D into the house. Um, well, <laughs> I don't know. If, or it could have been a neighbor boy because it was, like you say, we just ran into each other's houses. I mean, um, but what was uh, accurate, I remember, is at the local mall. So we lived by the King of Prussia Mall, which was a small mall then. Now it's like huge. And um, there was a, a local hobby store that carried all the games at the time. So they had D&D, &D, but they had all the little um, characters and they had some comics. So that was like always like a cool place to go and stare in the window of and save your money to spend at. I'm sure it was one of my brothers that introduced me to it, though. Probably one of the younger ones, the one that's two years younger than me. So um, like Carl had said earlier, like we're big pedantic nerds and it it's really refreshing to see something authentic. Uh, my least favorite thing in like media is when people are playing like a D&D &D analog and they do all these things incorrectly like stuff that doesn't make any sense that's just like gobbledygook that kind of sounds like it would be a real role-playing game term mm -hmm. like one one of the details that we both loved was um when everyone was picking their classes and the cleric wanted to be uh wanted to be a dwarf cleric <laughs> yeah. and the dean was like no you can't you can't be a <laughs> uh, dwarf cleric the book says you have to be human like just those little tiny details that are just the real rules, because people who don't know the rules of D and D, if you if you tell them a fake rule and a real rule, both of them will sound equally plausible. Yeah. So like, why not just use the real one? You know. But um, I wanted to know how important it was to you to remain faithful when recreating images 
from like the old school DNB products because there's a lot of stuff that when he was showing me the pictures on on webcam as he was reading me a bedtime story, I was like, <laughs> "Is that like Monsters and Treasures Assortment One through three? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, so the reason Matt has all the boxes now because he the the book just came out in the fall. Um, and so, yeah, so he had, he replicated the original box. We had the original set and he had the monster manual. So it was pretty close. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a nod to it. Of course, it's not exact, but pretty faithful, I think. Yeah. What was like the, the inspiration for you guys? Like you could have so easily just made some, some junk up, but he really took the time to recreate those images. Yeah. So that's. That's sort of part of both uh, my background a bit. So when I first started writing books for kids and basically kind of one side of my writing life is I write historical fiction for children, middle grade historical fiction. And that is just a rabbit hole of having to be factually accurate. (laughs) And so uh, this is the third Sunny book in the series and they all take place in the 70s, which um, ironically is now historical fiction. My childhood is historical (laughs) fiction. Yes. So we, you know, we have to be historically accurate. And so I'm always sending him images or my things or pictures of us as kids of, you know, this is what I wore. You don't remember it was this bad. It really was. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I'm we're kind of we're definitely obsessed with that. And that's just from so many years of working in historical fiction. It's really cool for our our, our listeners. uh, Some of the things. Uh, uh, represented in the art is the um, so you may not um, know this but that box set that was uh, written by someone named John Eric Holmes and it's it's considered the Holmes box set everybody calls it the Holmes so so yours is the Holmes Holmes box set but uh, so the Holmes box set is presented um, and the dice are zero through nine um the uh, uh, miniatures presented are all 1970s minifigs, and I think there's some early heritage. Like you can see that the, the designs and inspiration. And, and let me tell you, I got a lot of uh, cool dad points because I was able to like go to my my nerd room and pull out my miniature that looks just like the one that that Sonny had. I'm like, look, I have the same miniature, and my daughter was like, "You're so cool." <laughs> <laughs> I still have my miniatures, and I never painted mine. I was talking to somebody about there was like a lot of people who painted theirs, but you had to be pretty, you know, what, what nine-year-old can paint those? I don't know. I couldn't. I'm 32 <laughs> and I can't. I'm afraid to paint them. No, I, even then I knew I didn't want to ruin them. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go ahead and ask the next question. Sunny Rolls of Dice deals, uh, I think mostly it deals with like trying to fit in or trying to fit in while being true to yourself. What advice does the book have or that you have for young girls out there that may want to play something like Dungeons and Dragons or some other activity, afraid of what their peers may think that the message in Sunny is pretty clear. So um, uh, do you have anything to say towards that? Uh, So, you know, I lived it for sure. It's the middle school years are very complicated years where you have social pressure and hormones and mostly you just want to fit in and not be noticed. I think most kids just want to kind of just skirt through it and survive. 
I remember distinctly thinking, wow, this is where it's all going to go wrong <laughs> because I grew up playing with all these boys and all of a sudden um, it became not so cool to do that. You know, the boys that you are playing with in the basement, they're going to be at a dance next week or maybe roller skating. But I, I think it's important to keep um, your interests and be true to your interests and to try to manage all of those pressures on yourself. It's definitely not easy. I think it's a little easier now. Um, it seems like nerd culture is a bit um, sweeter now. But I think something like D&G is, is a really nice escape from reality. And I think especially now, kids could certainly use that. I like how it uh, the story in Sunny Rolls of Dice kind of frames this. I feel like uh, the yearning for popularity in it uh, is framed as a yearning to like belong in a group and it's a group at large that she's wanting to belong to. And then she eventually realizes that she can just play nerdy games with her friends and still belong in a group and still be uh, just as happy as she would have been otherwise. No, I think that's it exactly. And that's a really hard lesson. Um, I think I ended up where that became a really good lesson for me in life was I kind of continued to listen to that voice in my set head that said, it's okay to play D&D. And maybe because I grew up with all these boys, I saw that they could do whatever they wanted. So that by the time I got to high school, I didn't have a typical kind of high school career. You know, in the fall, I was in the marching band. In the winter, I was in debate club. And in the spring, I played lacrosse. So I kind of did all those different things and had friends in each of the groups. And that was really nice, you know, to have friends from different crowds. The villain, if there is one, uh, of the book is is really Teen Vogue. It is. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where are you going to go with this? There's no villain. But yeah, no, there is. It's Teen Vogue. It's Teen Vogue. <laughs> society's expectations of what you sh- how you should behave. Absolutely. Those magazines back then were even more, you know, crazy than they are today. I love the Gloria Vanderbilt jeans. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> I did have them. They were nice. <laughs> did you also have two pairs? I, you know, we all wanted Gloria. Uh, it was kind of a running uh, uh, competition between Jordash and Glory Vanderbilt on my in my school. <laughs> God, like even the boy side of that. Like I was a kid in the '90s, and I remember everyone wanted Jeanco jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think the themes of the book are so timeless and relatable. Oh, thank you. So Carl might can tell the story better because I'm not as good of a storyteller. But um, our our kids, almost every time they read it, get angry <laughs> about Sunny not being able to do what she wants. And how if they were her friend, they would tell her she can do whatever she wants. And she doesn't have to buy the jeans. She can go buy what she wants and play D&D. And so they always get really like into it and like angry about it and i want to be like every every single time they read it i feel like it's the same reaction like Mm -hmm. they're not gonna um it it doesn't it hasn't uh tapered off any (laughs) oh groovy has become a bad word in our house (laughs) the sunny's always concerned about her groovy meter in the in the book and my kids now will just be like just don't worry about being groovy (laughs) as you were reading it to me last night i was like no sunny you've been groovy all along (laughs) well 
That's so sweet. I love it. <laughs> so I'm I'm desperate to know. Uh, are you still playing Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, do you play D and D today? So sadly, I am not. My husband does play. He said he married me for my copy of the Monster Manual, <laughs> which was in much better shape than his. Um, my son had just started to play before all this um, coronavirus thing uh, propped up um, with some friends of his. But I did, uh, I did dig up my old character sheet, and I can tell you what I did play. So I was very also influenced um, by a series of books by Lloyd Alexander. He wrote The ba- Black Cauldron. Woo, yeah. The Chronicles of Prydain. Yeah. The Chronicles of Prydain. I love them. And, yeah. uh, he, it's my favorite he, Disney movie. It's the worst movie. Stop. <laughs> I love it, though. <laughs> it's not the best adaptation. <laughs> you are a good sport. Um, but he, the author, actually grew up in Pennsylvania, not far from where I from where I live. And uh, but anyway, so all of my characters are based on or have their names. So I was my character's name was Ilanui. I was a magic user. I was a human, of course. I was a level nine, lawful good. Wow. Yeah. Uh, armor class seven, uh, strength was 15, intelligence 18, wisdom 16, dexterity 17, constitution 16, and charisma 18. Mm. And I was looking through some of my items were pretty hilarious. Um, I had a bring back the dead and miscellaneous magic, paralyzed, fire resist, Spells all over the place. I had like 20 spells. But then my animals, I had four songbirds. Aw. <laughs> That's awesome. And, it, and it's all in cursive. It's what it's more funny to me now. Because the kids don't really learn cursive that much now. That's how you know it's an artifact <laughs> of the past. It's so hilarious. I wonder yeah. if you were... You were uh... Decided to draw it in cursive because it looked more uh, medieval. I, I did because as it goes down, it starts off in full cursive. In in my magic spells, it's all in cursive, and then when I get sort of down to like other characters, it starts getting less cursive-y. <laughs> but You're like, I don't have time for this. I know, I know. <laughs> But but all of my faithfuls were like named after Chronicles of Prydain, so it was very sweet in retrospect. It's really awesome. Yeah. So we also really want to know. We wrote the questions, so we really wanted to know all of these. <laughs> but um, will D and D ever be a feature in future Sunny books? Inquiring minds want to know. I don't. It might. Uh, it's, so I've just finished the script for the next Sunny book, and it's mentioned, but they don't play. And she's very sad. So it's okay to give a spoiler. The next book just takes place right after this, and it's over the summer. And uh, everybody's away from town. Like, everybody's gone on vacation but Sunny, even, even her D&D buddies. And she's just like, oh, so sad and bored because nobody's around to hang out with. So... It's a little, it's a little sad. Well, I, I, I have some other questions for you. Like uh, we said, our kids are huge fans of Sunny Rolls the Dice, and uh, they're very jealous that we're getting to talk to you. Unfortunately, they're asleep. But I did have them record some questions for you earlier. So awesome. I'm going <laughs> to share those with you now. 
Hello, my name is Emily, and my question is, what's your favorite moment playing slash running D&D? So I didn't, I was never the, the dungeon master. That's like my husband in spades. He actually grew up to become a video game designer. So this game served him well because he likes telling people what to do <laughs> and, and, and tell them what to do in games. I just liked being with other people in this imaginary world. And it really felt like you were there sometimes, like time. Mm-hmm just stood still in a way that's hard to describe. And I don't know, especially when you're young, the ability to just put the outside world on hold was such an amazing thing. I feel like now you have to just block yourself in a room to not be aware of the internet or something. But um, I just love to just be hanging out with my friends and, and playing it. Awesome. And then I have a question from uh, Connor. Hello, my name is Connor, and my question is, what was your favorite D&D character? What was my favorite D&D character? You mean to play or like a monster? Ooh, either would be a fine answer. Well, my favorite, you know, monster was, of course, the gelatinous cube, which was basically <laughs> what I... Which was basically what I imagined my mother was as she went through our bedrooms and picked up our stuff and threw them into a bag. <laughs> and then just add some jello and that was a gelatinous cube in my in my imagination then and now for me as i go through my children's rooms i just loved i could have like read the monster manual book forever i used to read it before bed it was very comforting (laughs) for some reason Hmm. um but i loved it yeah so i'd take a monster any day what about your favorite character that you ever played so i i just played mostly myself so i was just always a magic user we put it, the way we played is that we had we just picked our we picked one character and we played it for a couple of years. We didn't switch mm-hmm. it up. So I was just the one person the whole time. Did you do the thing like uh, if your character died, did you just play the same class with the same stats? Yes, we a just different name. No, we would just come back with the same name. <laughs> <laughs> We were we weren't that uh we weren't that clever. We were this like, is uh, Elanwi the second. Yes, we were just we would just come back from the dead again and again and again. So yeah, I mean we were like ten, eleven, twelve, maybe. Mm-hmm. No, that's a totally yeah. fine way to play. Like, yeah, <laughs> no shame at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's weird because there's so um these days there's a lot of conversations between like new school versus old school Dungeons and Dragons, and we've had conversations about it. Um, but I feel like sometimes when you tell people that you're like playing it and your character dies and you go, oh, well, I'll, I'll just play the same character and you go through the same dungeon, but now you're avoiding the trap that you technically don't know about. And they're like, well, that's not deep role play or, you know, but it's still fun. Like, you know, it's still a blast. Like, it's just weird that there's this like RPG purity test that, that everybody has a different bar for. I think kids, I think what we were really into was the, was the collection aspect, you know, uh, mm-hmm. getting items and food and spells and clothes and, and having your notebook fill up kind of the way that kids like collect trains or anything, you know, Pokemon cards. It was Absolutely that Pokemon cards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the appeal is, was the getting things that you could never get in real life. You know, um, that was what was cool. Like fire, <laughs> you know. 
I I have a question. When does the next book release? So the next the next book should be out in fall of 2022, <sighs> and it's called, yeah, it's called Sunny Makes a Splash. So. I'm so far away. I know these graphic novels take so long. So we've I finished the manuscript. I'm Matt is drawing it and I'm laying it out right now. I've laid out about four chapters. Um, Tell him he needs to hurry up. <laughs> draw fast, mom, Matt. We don't have two years. Draw faster, <laughs> art monkey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Exactly. And that's what he gets for not coming to talk to us. I'm going to haggle him. <laughs> Mom always told me she loved me more. <laughs> he was a baby. He got everything. <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Two years and Sunny makes a splash. Sunny will make a splash. And she's going to be having her first job at the at the community pool at the country club. She accidentally kind of falls into a, a job at the snack bar. So it's a little bit of independence for Sunny. Oh yeah, it's the 70s. I was like, she can't get a job at a country club at that age. Oh my gosh, it was a different time. It was I was a different time. Yeah, I was babysitting kids when I was 12. I worked at the snack bar at the pool when I was 13. I was lifeguarding when I was 16. I was working at the Gap when I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all worked. It was just normal. It was fun and social, too. Well, that was how you, I mean, you didn't have social media to talk to people. But if you were at the snack bar, then you could talk to everybody that came to the pool. Exactly. So it, it was, was like it was a social outlet, too. Was, yeah, it was great. It was just a different time. I know. I feel very, I have very mixed feelings about social media. I think uh, the one thing that it's preventing is allowing kids to be bored and I think the best part of being bored is then your imagination goes wild. And that's kind of what D&D is in a weird way. It's like really allowing your imagination to envision something um, instead of having all the answers instantly on the Internet. Social media is like having a groovy meter in your pocket at all times. <laughs> oh, you're so right. You're so right. Ouch. Just <laughs> on your phone. Yeah. Which, let me check my groovy meter. Oh, some likes. Ooh, feeling groovy. Uh <laughs> it's so true. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I, I really uh, think whether or not you have kids at home listeners, uh, you should check out this book. It's just a cool representation of D&D in the 1970s uh, with a lot of historical accuracy. I run... Uh, Jenny, um, convention games of D&D where I only use stuff from the 1970s or earlier. So I have a lot of those old miniatures and I have the the Holmes box set and I run Holmes Basic D&D with all these old miniatures and stuff. So um, just the, the that level of, of detail in the art is just wonderful to me. And I think our listeners will, you know, whether or not they have kids at home will really enjoy it. I think if you liked uh, Ethan Gildorf's uh, Fantasy Freaks and Gaming Geeks, I think this would be right up your alley. Nice. And get get a copy of the original, you know, if you can find them on eBay still, and play that, try that one out with your kids and see see what they think. It might be fun. Kind of a yes. retro night. Always recommend that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Play play Holmes Basic with your kids. Play old school D&D. That's, that's definitely our uh, uh, flag to fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, awesome. 
is you that. Guys, uh, thank you so much. This was so this was so sweet. I really oh, thank you for the show. Oh my goodness, no, it's really nice, especially. Carl was nervous. He's like, I've never talked to somebody's publicist before. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually isn't true, Carl, because you had to talk to uh, the publicist, I think, from the record company that that handles Tripod's music. Oh, that's true. Yeah, our theme song. We got permission from Tripod's publicist for, to use our theme song. That's great. Well, thank you so much. It was awesome to talk to you. Our kids are definitely jealous of us. Um, They think Sunny Rolls the Dice is just awesome, and we'll have to get them the other books um, to read as well. Sounds good. Well, you guys have a good night, and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Do we have uh, emails? We do. All right. uh, Okay. And we're still recording. So, and... And, Crispy, we have a dwarf voice. Oh. Oh, man, I'm so excited. A dwarf voice. Ah, from episode 150, where we asked for, uh, maybe not, maybe 149, where we asked for people's uh, dwarf voices. Because we did class act dwarfs with you as a guest, Courtney. And right. then we did the Dwarves of Rock Home episode with you as a, a full-time uh, uh, cast member. I um, got promoted. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, yeah, so, yeah, a dwarf voice. I'm so excited. Heck yeah. Let's hear it. Oi, my name is Angus Gravelgut. I'm a Derigero. Originally, I had a campaign that sadly fizzled after the first session. Also, I didn't know that I'd be hated by my surface dwellers, because I'm genre blind after having played or read proper D&D in years. Oh well, I'll raise a tankard to the veil to you. And remember, you can't bring a troll to the fire, but you can bring a fire to the troll. That's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. That was Anybody else want to do their dwarf voice now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I was doing a dwarf voice at a recent game. Uh, 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 and I was like trying this new thing because, I mean, we all know the Scottish dwarf. And I was just trying to do this kind of weird, unplaceable accent for my dwarf. And and um, one of the other players called me out. It was at the homeschool group before the pandemic, and and he was uh, he said, "You kind of sound like Doctor Doofenshmirtz from <laughs> Phineas and Ferb." I was like, "Oh no, I do." <laughs> so I have like a Doctor Dwarfenshmirtz voice floating around somewhere. <laughs> uh, that's that's really wonderful. <laughs> Well, that dwarf voice, not Dr. Doofenshmirtz, but uh, that one was labeled Angus, and it's from GM Zach, and he also wrote us an email, and Courtney, if you would read that for us, that would be awesome. <laughs> to the triumvirate of Saad, I just wanted to thank you all for the awesome podcast. Your jokes, humor, and insights have been great companions to me over the past couple of weeks since I found the podcast. Life has been crazy for me lately, and being able to listen to y'all and past hosts have been a huge boon for my sanity. I did have a few things I thought would be worth writing in for besides my praise of the show. First, I want to say that I'm on Team Carl for episode 156. Should I just stop there? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, keep reading. It gets better. Um, it's it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good joke, and you set Crispy up for a perfect transition on the fill in the blank dungeon. More appreciation for my award-winning joke. Oh, yay! Awesome. I don't even remember what that joke it, was. You are Jenny Holm, <laughs> Newberry Award-winning author. God. <laughs> All right. Second, the mystical stone mentioned on 156. I think Carl's joke about turning it into fudge sparked a thought process. Change the stone into a giant, obviously magical mushroom. <laughs> if it's a food option, players are much more likely to take a piece off and cook with it. Or try to put it into a potion. I also think Crispy's idea towards fudging the roll is a perfect hook for the next adventure and what happened to Rogon and Zeligar. The stone fung slash fungus does give you mystical powers or ability increases, but it also corrupts or poisons you. Maybe the reason that Rogon and Zeligar leave their tower in face of barbarian hordes is because they are either reaching the end of their days because of continued use, or in the lands held by the barbarians is a rare root that contains a powerful antitoxin and they went there in search of a cure. And now your players will too. Courtney's idea can also be worked in. Of course, a wizard would document his findings in a journal somewhere. The players can indeed find Zeligar's journal, and you can ask them how much time they spend reading it. A turn brings them the information that the stone slash shroom gives amazing power. It is only after three or four turns worth of study that they get deeper into the book and find the entries describing the side effects. Yeah. Now, I want to mention something about this. Because uh, this was pointed out both in Facebook comments on the episode, mm -hmm. uh, it that the the whole thing about putting the stone in your mouth is actually a rumor from the rumor table that is false. Uh, so we just we just kind of incorporated we 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 you know we 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 took our own approach and decided that was a true rumor, apparently uh, in our conversation. So you know. Things happen, but I just wanted to give ourselves a little uh, correction there. Uh, but I do appreciate these ideas on it. All right, GM Zach says, number three, to the subject of episode 157, it was a great episode, a lot of good information and discussion. Well, I don't think we end much further than we began on what codifies old school gaming or the OSR because of its diversity. It does bring an analogy to mind. Mom's chili. Everyone has had chili at some point, I hope, and every family makes it a bit different. Normally, it's beans, meat, and peppers in some combination. No one really makes it quite like mom or grandma. Maybe some people use chicken, some beef. Sometimes it's super spicy, sometimes it's basically spaghetti sauce. Most people can point towards a general mix of what they like, but the exact measurements are always nebulous. We know it's meat, beans, and spice, but never quite sure much of each mom put in. In the end, everyone has their own flavor of old school. And unless you've been gaming with the same group most of your life, you will have different memories of what mom's chili tasted like. So we all have variations of old school, and the only real goal should be finding the perfect mix for your current group. Do you want me to say the hashtag? Yeah. All right. Hashtag modern D ambersand D. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag modern D&D. &D, hashtag just go play D&D. &D. That's Courtney's hashtag. He must be in your fan club. It's <laughs> not my hashtag. Yeah, that's what you said at the end of the episode. He's he's shouting you out. 
Is that what I? Is that really what I said? Yeah, I don't even remember. <laughs> that I also barely remember what I say. <laughs> well, GM Zach, you can be one of the members of the Courtney fan club. <laughs> Number four. Finally, I'm a big fan of having Courtney on the show. Hey, you can't be in Courtney's fan club. <laughs> it's a great balance to have someone who is a player only give their feedback. As GMs, it's great insight into the minds of our players and reminds us that not everyone sees the story as we do. Though you aren't the loudest voice on the show, when you give your thoughts, they are spoken with a sense of open honesty that is refreshing. Thanks, Zach. Number five. Y'all don't need to put this on the air. Oops. Uh-oh, it's too late. <laughs> but I want to thank Crispy for being so excited about OSC. I sent in an order for a couple of the tomes after hearing his excitement for the system. I'm about the same age as you, but I didn't start playing RPGs until about 2014, and I've been trying to find a way to explore the roots of old school as I started with Pathfinder. Hashtag Ford Explorer and rather quickly moved away from D&D because I didn't like the fact that it was rules-heavy miniature war game with role-playing tacked on in my mind. I've mostly played storytelling games in the recent years, but now I want to explore the more rules-light variants of the world's oldest RPG. So with Carl's enthusiasm for BX in general and Crispy's excitement for OSE, I'll probably be starting a local campaign using OSE as base as soon as COVID-19 blows over and my life can get to some sense of normal. I never really had an interest into old school until recently, but it's been a great discovery once I wrap my head around it. Thanks again for all the effort all members put in, including editing. GM Zach. No, it's nice. I know, I, I believe at least, um, that Zach is in our Discord. Mm-hmm. Um, he is. And he's been talking about uh, some of his like endeavors getting an old school game going that he's been trying to do. So yeah, he had a post. I'm going to go ahead and shout out the post. He had a post recently on our Wild Game Productions Discord where he talked about introducing someone to basic D&D over the internet during the pandemic. Uh, Someone new to the the scene. Uh, It's just cool because it kind of proves what we've kind of said for a long time is this is not just nostalgia. There's really something about these old rule sets that's worth checking out. Because, I mean, obviously, the, you know, he, he says he started playing in 2014. He doesn't have a lot of nostalgia for, for the 1980s <laughs> of role-playing games, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just awesome to see that. And I've they- been running a home game with uh, my two best friends uh, who, like, one of them was vehemently against old-school D&D stuff. He just doesn't like it. And the other one, more receptive. But, like, they've been playing, and I, I think they've been having a lot of fun. And I'm trying to show them with old school essentials, actually. That's the the rules tone that I gave them. Um, that there is something here that is special. And it's been also a success. Awesome. I was going to say, thank you so much for the kind words. Like, I just, I love old school D&D and I want everyone to play it. Even if it's like, even if it's Beck me, you know, like... <laughs> I mean, Beckby's good. <laughs> oh, man. What do you got against Beckby? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, just thanks so much, Zach, for the very kind email. It blows my mind that uh, anybody listens to us. Uh, and <laughs> it's just always nice to hear from listeners. Uh, we really appreciate it. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, we love all the shout outs. Send us an email to questions at saverdie.info. That's it. Mm-hmm. Die, nailed it. We're also on Facebook. Yeah, and Discord. And uh, my pocket groovy meter. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do have another email. Oh, we do. We do. Courtney, do you want to read that one as well? All right. So we have another email from Mike Stewart. I feel like I know that name. Sounds familiar. Uh, it's a very common name. Hello. I see your viewpoints on the myth of old school exceptionalism. And for the most part, I tend to agree. Two points, though. One, I think it is weird that many OSR folks seem to be very absolute in what they will or won't play. And translating this into being true old school. Back in the early mid-1980s, we used to try most any RPG beyond AD&D. We liked some, didn't like others. But the idea of limiting ourselves to one game or just one playstyle was just weird. So, in my opinion, a lot of modern games get ignored by the old school community just because they are a modern RPG, which is a pity. So, I feel like this is a great point um, because, like, I remember trying GURPS, trying Vampire, trying, I mean, just anything that anybody was, you know, when you were a kid trying role-playing games and you saw, I mean, I I had, if if there was an RPG book that I found... I wanted it, you know, even if I would never played it. I, I owned uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle role-playing game stuff as a kid. I, I ne- also owned the Teenage <laughs> because I saw it at a bookstore. I was like, yeah. what the heck is this? And I I, I bought it. It was right. like six bucks. Right. And I read it, and I was like, yeah, I'm never going to run this, but this is interesting. Yeah, it's just neat. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, I think maybe some of that charm has worn off because there is such a glut of options so you're not really just like you're, you're not realistically going to have every single role-playing game um unless you're one of those people that do that sort of thing <laughs> you guys exist i'm not trying to <laughs> throw you under the bus it's just it's not something i will realistically do <laughs> right okay sorry i just wanted to comment on that first point before i, I want to talk about it a little bit as well sure it's just uh, one of the reasons I think this may be the case, because, like, I'm guilty of this. Um, whereas, when I was younger, yeah, I bought, like, every weird role. Like, I owned a copy of Harp for a little while. Uh, high accountant role-playing. But, um... Uh-huh. Uh, but, like... <laughs> high adventure role-playing is the actual... But it's a deep percentile system. Anyways. Got it. Um, I think part of that has to do with the way that RPG books are written nowadays because you can pick up, you know, the Holmes basic set and the the book is like, you know, 50 pages or whatever it is. Whereas if you pick up a new RPG now, just the player's book is 500 pages. Hmm. So I think as games got more complex and, you know, production value went more and more, it's daunting to read a new book from scratch. I do think there's also uh, a a trend in modern RPGs to not be written interestingly, <laughs> which sounds pretty damning. But um, <laughs> what I just mean is that 
they're you know they don't have that kind of like Gygaxian prose, uh, mm-hmm. and and nobody's emulating that. And so it's kind of like here's some system information, and it's a less of an interesting read. Where if you read some of the older RPGs and everybody was kind of figuring it out, a lot of times it's 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 interesting to read it because of the way it was written, even if you never play the system. Yeah, like I I picked up the humble bundle for Pathfinder Second Edition, and God, every time I look at it, I'm just like, I don't want to do this. I don't <laughs> want to read this book. It's a billion pages. Well, but I know that there's a lot of cool system information. But, like, I don't know. Like, one of the great things about BX is that, like, it speaks to me. Not in, like, a like a metaphorical sense. I feel like it. Like the book is actually speaking to me. Like, the author is telling me how to play the game. It's a mimic. <laughs> Carl laughed. Crispy laughed. Courtney laughed. The Holmes Basic Book laughed. (laughs) (laughs) And then we fought it. All right. Number two. Mike Stewart says, I think the O. I know that. Number two. Like. I just. uh, I can't place it. It's very familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Roll it around in your head. All right. Number two. I think the old school community should be considered in light of two facts. In my experience, there are old school gamers who appreciate the rulings, not rules, style of older games. There are also old school gamers who just want to return to 1985 when they were teenagers. For the latter group, anything post their rose-colored experience is new school and thus to be avoided. Personally, I'm not a fan of this, but it's a way of viewing RPGs in general and AD&D in particular. They want to be groovy. Hmm. Get both camps. Like, there's definitely a part of me, even today, where I was just like, man, I wish I was a teenager again and I could just, like, play Dungeons and Dragons for eight hours at a time and not have to worry about anything else. I do think there's something about playing old school games specifically old school games and 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 there's nothing i'm not trying to like uh throw the osr under the bus but i mean specifically books from 1985 or prior uh i mean it's just a snapshot of history it's just an interesting you know artifact uh so i i think some of it may be rose-colored glasses but i think some of it also is possibly just like this is just another component that we think is neat in the experience. Um, you know, I mean, uh, when we play discos and dragons at, at conventions, it is neat. It is neat to just have those old seventies miniatures on the, on the game board. Um, but it is also limiting. I mean, there's a lot of stuff available nowadays that, you know, you wouldn't even have, have been able to find, or, I mean, I have a 3d printer now I can just print what I need for my games, uh, for a lot of, uh, my, options that I would not be able to find in the 1970s miniatures, but it, it, it wouldn't be as neat to say, uh, I'm going to play a game and I'm going to use a bunch of 3d printed components as it is to say, I'm only using stuff from 1979 or earlier and, and getting to see that stuff and what it looked like and what that experience might've been like. Um, you know what my favorite part of discos and dragons was no, because I'd never seen it in person before. Mm-hmm was the outdoor survival game board. 
Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's, I don't even know how I can find. I guess eBay, but like, yeah, it's it's not it's not too hard to find. It was a board game by Avalon Hill. There was a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it was so cool. It's like, oh yeah, here's like, because everyone's like, oh yeah, D and D is like a board game, kind of, and now we have the actual game board. Yeah, to me, like when it's all set out like that, and you and you're watching the overland travel, uh, you kind of you set up your campaign map. It almost has a old school video game feel to it. You could feel like you can hear the 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 sound oh. effect like. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound your sword makes when it hits a monster. <laughs> Sorry, I need a second. <laughs> but I mean, I, I do think there's definitely some of that uh, in, in the old school community where it's like your your new school is wrong because it's not what I played as a kid. And while I am forgiving of that attitude a little bit, because, uh, you know, did D&D really need change so, so drastically? Not really. Um, you know, there's, there's, but I mean, there's stuff that you can still take from new D&D. I use, I like Ascending Armor class. I like Advantage. I, I you know, but I mean, uh, there's a lot I don't like about new school stuff as well. Yeah, like, when do I get to become a duke? Tell me, Mike Merles, what level? Sorry. Um, I do think that, like, people are probably overwhelmingly in the first camp of people who appreciate the ruling is not rule style. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, Knave and, uh, like, the Black Hack uh, and, like, um, Index Card RPG have been, like, super wildly successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are really designed with that philosophy. And I mean, if you look at almost every retro clone, barely any of them add complications. Mm-hmm. They almost all remove rules and simplify and try to create a more uh, rulings, not rules experience. Yeah. All right. Mike Stewart says, okay. I can't place that name. It's just like it's bothering me. Keep thinking about it. Maybe it'll come to you. All right, make that three points. Three, despite the profusion of old school games and retro clones, virtually all of them changed some part of the original game to a greater or lesser extent. While possibly understandable from an authorial viewpoint, it supports the point you guys were mentioning about expectations and rules interpretation varying from table to table. Plus, nerds love to argue. Good job. Thank he you. He wrote Mike Victorious. Stewart. That's who that is. No, Mike Stewart, um, nine time world champion bodyboarder. Uh, very famous. That's where it's from. That's where, uh, uh, yeah, because we're big, you know, we're uh, board heads. We're big in the bodyboarding community. Yeah, board, yeah. board heads we're, is what they call our, us. Yeah, uh, like our, our numbers, like all the demographics, bodyboarders between the ages of 18 and 34 are just like, eating up our content i just remember when uh mike stewart uh uh won the pipeline body surfing classic 14 that was great uh <laughs> i think back on that sometimes that was when it was uh they were competing in ratings with the x games right sounds right <laughs> yeah 
heard his wife is the most amazing person ever. <laughs> Thank you so much for the email, Mike. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I remember uh, in the comments from that episode on Facebook, Mike Stewart not being on board with my uh, contemporary D&D naming schematic. So, so you don't like him anymore? <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yeah, but thank you, Mike, for uh, writing in. Do we want to talk any about the? I mean, like that last point's pretty succinct. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we did it. We kind of just skipped over that. Yes, uh, uh, every single retro clone is different. Just like uh, we were talking about how every single gaming experience was different, and it just kind of goes to show that there there is no right way to no wait that's wrong there is no <laughs> there oh, is you are gonna get a suit there is no wrong way to eat a Reese's can't say Reese's no there is no wrong way to eat a peanut butter disc covered in chocolate much better uh all right well I think that'll be our show <laughs> for this week we'll leave on that high note uh thank you so much to Jenny Holm for being on the show and uh, sharing her time with us and, and talking about her book. Yes, um, it was awesome. Yeah, it was. And, I'm serious, uh, guys. I don't care if you're uh, whatever. It doesn't matter who you are. Check it out. It's so cool. I mean, f- go to your library. Check out that book. It's neat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, uh, Courtney had said it earlier, but if you uh, have any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, uh, you can email us at questions at saveordie.info. And, uh, yeah, What do you mean hate mail? You don't get hate mail. I mean, you, want to send your you can send us hate mail. mail. I don't care. Send hate mail to Crispy and Carl. Send your happy emails to Courtney. Peace out, Cub Scout. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for the uh, actual play after the messages. Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Great! Why not head over to patreon.com slash WGP and support that show for as little as dollar a month. Dollar a month goes a long way to helping support the network Wild Games Productions. Again, that's patreon.com slash WGP. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sunny. Middle school can be confusing. All my best friend Deb wants to talk about is boys, makeup, more boys, and being cool. While I'd rather be hanging out with my new friends playing Dungeons and Dragons. When I'm busy sword fighting and slaying spiders, it's hard not to worry about being cool. It's much more fun to just have fun. Fitting in at school is hard, but standing out, Sunny is slaying it. Hilda and Leothward and the Red Shields are standing in the streets of Manubria. Uh, they are visited by the apparition of Jan, now a spirit standing before them, making pleasant conversation. The citizens of Manubria seem to be passing them by, uh, not worried about this apparition that is speaking to them. And Jan again says, Are you doing okay? Uh, Leothward says, dumbfounded. Yes. How are you? I am dead. I died. I got bit by a snake and I died in the dungeon. 
Yes, we were. Uh, I was there for that. It killed you real quick. And but how are you here? Oh, I do not know. I am not sure. But I am here with you. And I can see you. And you can see me. And I think I have let you see me. But I have not let anybody else see me. I'm going to like... If I like pass a hand through him, does it go through? <laughs> uh, yes, it does. That's another thing I'm never doing again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people around us seem to notice us talking. Keon. Yeah, right now you just look like some weird crazies. I'm all right with that. I ask Yon, Yon, can we go to your house to talk? Yes, I do not mind. Can you show us where it's at? Yes, I can show you. Follow me. As we're following Yon, I'm going to like get up. I'm going to like walk next to Hilda. Hilda. How do we know that this is actually Yon's ghost and not like some wizard stuff? Like, what if this is actually Akamon? It's some kind of trick that he's playing on us. Would Akamon know where Yon lives? I don't know. Maybe they're buddies. Maybe they went to the same church. What if this is a trap and this is an illusion or it's Akamon in disguise? It's possible. Oh, we'll or it's really a ghost. But how did the ghost get here? And why is it so friendly? Did he know our names? Yeah, but what if he was, like, resurrected and then indentured into servitude? He You're is, thinking too he, much about this. He's not, he has not said your names yet. Oh. He has not said our names. Uh, Jan, my good friend. Yes? Do you remember... Uh, the day we met. Yes, I do remember. Ah, could you regale everyone with that tale? Everyone here, they all know. Yeah, but it's, I, I always love hearing you tell that story. You do it so well. And trust me, I know about stories. I, I'm a bard. Yes, I know. I know you, I owe you a story, but it's one you have not heard. And you, you were there. Uh, excuse us one second, Jan. Yeah, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> Jan, how are you here? I don't know. I died, and then I am now here with you. You didn't see a wizard or anything, did you? Oh, I think I did. Oh. Uh, what was the wizard doing? He was he was mad. He was an angry wizard. Not like Finian. Finian's just grumpy. And then what What did the mad wizard do? Um, he ran up some stairs. Oh, so you saw the wizard after you had died? Yes, I believe so. Yes, I think I was dead. Did you speak to the wizard? No, and I did not let him see me like I let you see me. <laughs> this is shaping up to be a story I've never heard before. Jan, I've never met a ghost before. Me neither. This is freaking me out. I'm sorry. No, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Real quick, I just want to test some stuff. I'm going to reach into, like, uh, reach into, like, my backpack. Okay. And get, like, uh, a ration. Like, I don't know if I have, like, an apple or something. Sure. I'm going to pull the apple out and toss it to Yawn. Okay. 
and it, Does just, it just go right goes through right him? through him. Apparently, it is tickles. he able to catch it, or did he just like let it pass through him? He 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 didn't try to catch it. You you. <laughs> it just I'm gonna, went through. I'm gonna walk around him. Sure. And pick up the apple. I'm gonna go, Yon. Heads yep. up. What do you? And I'm the- gonna like. I'm gonna pantomime huh? throwing it to him, but not what? actually throwing it to him, so he gets the idea. Okay. And then I th- and then I toss it to him. Okay. Um, he reaches his hands out to catch the apple and they, uh, fall through his hands and he is unable to catch it. And he goes, <laughs> thought we had like a ghost pal who could help us fight, but, uh, oh, but he hmm. could scout for us. Yeah. Yawn. Oh. I'll wait till we get to Yawn's house. To yeah. this one. I uh, mean, what he, else could we, he takes you to his house. You are now at Yawn's house. We're like outside. I don't want to go in yet. Okay. I want to see if Jan can walk through the walls. What? Yeah, you're you're dead. You're a ghost. Yes, of things course. go through you. So exactly. logically, uh-huh. you should be able to go through things. I already have. That's how I oh. got to you. Oh. Can can could you demonstrate this ability to us? I think so. Yes. Yeah. He goes through the wall. Hmm. And then I'm gonna enter his house through right. the door. The door is locked. Oh. Hey, oh. hey Yawn. Yes. <laughs> do, uh, do you have like a spare key out here? Um, no. Can you unlock the door? No. I oh, don't it goes to room. Oh. Hmm. Hey, Yawn. Mm-hmm. Since you're dead and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you mind if I broke the door down? You can, if you want, I guess. Should, should but... we go to a back door? This seems like we're draw, we would draw attention to ourselves. Um, Do you want to crawl through a window? I might be able... No, I can't. I don't have a window. Mm. Uh, I'm going to, like, go to the front door. It's it's locked, right? What does the, like, the door handle look like? Mm, like I mean, it's a it... very simple door handle. You could probably break it. Well, what I was going to do is I was going to, like, slide a dagger through it and, like, through, like, where the door latches and see if I could just, like, pop it open. Sure. With enough work and without too much damage, you're able to get inside the house. Okay. Yon's in the house. We can Mm -hmm. see him. Yeah. Does he give off any kind of, like, spectral light or? Sure. There's a little bit of light in here from Yon. Okay. You know what that means? I don't <laughs> it means it means uh light through yonder window mm. 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 <laughs> uh what's yon's house <laughs> <laughs> Did they say yonder in las vegas yeah i mean like i know the word yonder I mean, it's you get it light through yawn. Yeah, uh, no, I get it. Funny. I mean, like, I could see how someone <laughs> might interpret that as funny. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, uh, simple house, simple okay. pseudo medieval fantasy house. A little bit nicer than medieval people actually lived, because it's fantasy medieval. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what do we do? Like, we've got yawn here. Right. All so, right. like, you have an unexplored dungeon, 
a strange yawn ghost uh, wizard that possibly is after you. And you are at Jan's house. What do you want to do? Did you see anything after we left? I saw the wizard. He was mad. He yelled curses. I felt like I had to get to you. I got to you. And then I figured out how to let you see me. And once I was able to do that, then I saw you and you saw me. And I said, hi. And then (laughs) you said, can we go to your house? And now we're here. What did you have to do for us to see you? Uh, I had to think about it and concentrate. Okay. Can you concentrate on holding this sword? Good idea, Hilda. Uh, or wait, maybe I just hand him a stick. We should start with something non. I mean, it's not like he's going to chop his toes off. That's a good point. He might chop my toes off if it drops. Um, he is unable to hold anything you put in his hands. Okay. Um, wait a second, Jan. Mm-hmm. When you died, you had a sword on you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have like a ghost sword. Mm, I do not think so. Can you like see if you can apparate one? I will try. Can <laughs> no, no sword. I don't know how to do. Can you communicate with us when we can't see you? I don't know that I can make it to where you can't see me. Oh. I guess I'm thinking of more of using Yawn as a scout. I do not know. I just know I am here with you. Brother Bowen. Yeah. Do you have the ability to make holy water? Um, I can get some for us. Okay. I have an idea. Also, isn't this freaking you out a little bit? Confirmation that there is indeed an afterlife? Well, oh, Jan. Why Why haven't you passed on? Like, why are you still here? You raise an interesting point. I do not know that this confirms an afterlife, because I am still here. If anything, but it I mean, only like, raises more questions about the nature of our existence. Hmm. I mean, I've never seen any ghosts. Hilda, have you ever seen a ghost before? I... I have not ever seen a ghost. This is quite odd. Wait a second. I am... Both our dads are dead, right? Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Hmm. I mean, Jan can come back from the dead to see my recital, but like... <laughs> yes. Guess I must not be that important. My brother always was the favorite. What are you reciting? <laughs> uh, uh, when I was a young lad, I was a uh, a concert lutist. And, you know, my dad was always just out hanging out with his dwarf buddies, going on adventures. Um, Jan, would you be willing to go with us on our adventure? I think I might have to. I don't know that I can leave you. Oh. Hmm. Okay, let's try that. Stay, stay here. And then we walk outside. Okay. And then, like, let's go out of town. All right. Uh, you start walking out of town, and eventually, uh, about 40 feet behind you, you see the ghost of Jan traveling with you. Hello. No, Jan, Jan, you're supposed to stay where you were. I know. It did not work. Oh. I came with you. Like, but of your own volition? I don't know. I think so. Well, no, we need you to stay here. I know that. We- 
We'll, so, we'll come back for you. We'll We're not right. leaving you. I know. We're just... Oh. But I can't. <laughs> so that it... Jan, do you know what the word volition means? Yes, I do. Okay. Hmm. You're a lot smarter than I initially thought. I'm what now? <laughs> You're a lot smarter than I initially thought. Sometimes, uh, when someone has an accent, people unfairly question their intelligence. That's true. <laughs> Sometimes, people think of me as, as a repository of information because of my accent. It's It hurts, you know? I, I've got more to offer than just an accent. Cooper at this point says, I feel like we need a plan. I think we should Ooh. rest the night and let Jan keep watch. And... I think I can. I don't think go adventuring for this book of Cynipus. I think I can do I, that. I don't think I have to sleep. I could watch. I don't. I guess I could just yell and wake you up. But I can't. Yeah. I can't wake you up by shaking you or nudging right. you. But nobody, as far as we know, nobody else can hear you right now. That is true. So you can yell as loud as you want. Interesting. And we'll hear you, but nobody else will. Hey, Jan, just a quick question. Uh, were you like, did you come back as a ghost immediately? Or was there some sort of downtime between death and afterlife? It's hard to say. I did not notice any downtime. I did not uh, uh, remember anything except being bit by a snake and then seeing a wizard getting angry. Hmm. Well, no, then there definitely was a gap. An unaccounted for gap. Like, we went up a whole staircase and stole a book. Oh. There's... Hmm. Can you remember anything immediately after you died? So you just left me there? Back? Well, in our defense, mm -hmm. <laughs> we didn't loot your body. I think you might have, actually. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Sorry. We killed the snake. Hmm. We got vengeance for you. That is strange because I thought maybe that's why I was back for vengeance. But if it is dead, I don't know who I want vengeance on. You know who might know a bit more about ghosts? That Phineas guy. Yes, Finian. Finian. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Let's get some sleep. Okay. This whole, like, sudden realization well, yeah. of a metaphysical reality that exists beyond the veil of our canon understanding of reality. It's a little draining. So, do we go back to our house? My house? Your house now? I don't know. Yeah, we're I mean, not... That's, that's ultimately your decision, you know? Did you have a will? No, it's not. He has to follow us. Hilda. I mean, clearly he's still a sentient person. He just doesn't have a person. Okay, so do what now? Go back to my house? Yeah. I need I need a nap. This has been a lot. <laughs> okay. You travel back to the house of Jan. And uh, as you approach the house, you noticed outside the perimeter of the building stands a man. He is... Uh, armored and has on uh, some pretty nice finery. Uh, 
he's got chainmail armor on and um, a sword hangs at his waist around a nice jeweled belt and he seems to be peering around and inside Jan's house and that's where we'll stop for this adventure and we'll see you again on the next Save or Die The Save or Die podcast is a production of Wild Games Production and it's produced for entertainment purposes only the music used in the intro and outro is by Tripod and used with permission be sure to visit the Save or Die crew at saverdie.info for more information. If you'd like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash WGP.